Welcome to How Things Connect, where we get personal and planetary. Get ready to expand your consciousness with healing insight and evolutionary wisdom. I'm very excited today to welcome as my guest, my friend, Gino Yu, and I'm very honored to have you here on the show. Dr. Gino Yu is an associate professor and director of digital entertainment and game development at the School of Design at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. His amazing work draws connections from neuroscience, developmental and humanistic psychology, phenomenology, epistemology, combined with Eastern philosophical practices. He's world renowned for his work in consciousness, digital entertainment and leadership, guided by his love of the arts. And he's spoken at international festivals, including TED, the Khan Lion Festival, and the World Knowledge Forum. His main areas of research, research focuses on the application of media technologies to cultivate creativity and promote enlightened consciousness. He's also founded the Asia Consciousness Festival and has hosted Science of Consciousness conferences all over the world. Welcome, Gino. How are you doing? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad we're able to continue this. Uh, had a wonderful conversation with you uh, this morning when we were supposed to yes. do this interview. Uh, and I'm able to, glad to, that conversation was really exciting and uh, really happy mm -hmm. to, to, to be here now to kind of do what we're supposed to do this morning <laughs> and kind of continue this conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. But what was beautiful about what happened this morning, which was the original time for our interview, was that we connected in total presence and yeah. allowed the emergence to happen, which is so much of part of the work that you, you know, so much of the work that you do. And um, but before we even get into that, I'd love to ask you this question. I've known you for a number of years, but I never got the story as to how you went from studying electrical engineering and computer science at UC Berkeley to unlocking the mysteries of the science of consciousness. Well, so uh, it was uh, what happened was uh, my background's actually in uh, uh, computer science, electrical engineering, computer science. I did a, a bachelor's at, at Berkeley, and then I did uh, my PhD there too in electrical engineering, computer science, focusing on VLSI CAD, in that we write software to design hardware. Uh, and in the year 1989, um, I had three papers accepted to different conferences around the world, one to a conference in uh, Tokyo, one a month later in Nanjing, China, and one a month after that in Munich, Germany. And at the time, this was in 1989, uh, there was an airline called TWA <laughs> that had this <laughs> offer where you could fly around the world. And as long as you kept going in the same direction, you could do unlimited flights. And so I convinced my advisor that it was cheaper to get around the world in one direction ticket than three separate round trip tickets. And so I ended up in Tiananmen Square on June 20th, 1989, which was uh, wow. about two weeks after. Uh, but then I, I was in, I went diving in Truck Lagoon. I was in Guam, Kuwait, Abu Dhabi, Egypt, through the Middle East and through Europe up to Scandinavia and uh, Thailand. It just had this amazing trip. And wherever I went, um, you'd meet people. And so A, you know, I did that trip. Uh, and then B, I had, uh, I was a starving student. So I only had a thousand dollars cash and no credit card. And I, I ended up doing this trip for, for four months. And notice that wherever you went, you had people with different cultures, different backgrounds and everything. But if you make eye contact and just a couple of gestures, you're able to connect with people in, in a fairly deep way, fairly quickly as well. That was, uh, and so, the thing that uh, led the curiosity for me for that was, uh, um, you know, what's the commonality in man? And so wherever you go, you know, everyone, wherever, whoever you are, everyone's born, everyone dies. And while they are alive, they have to deal with themselves. <laughs> and so part of that is kind of making sense of the world and, you know, catching up to modern society and, and, and uh, consensus reality. And, and, and a lot of the things that inhibit us from connecting are these kind of beliefs that we create that then create barriers that prevent us from from uh, communicating openly you know with one another and, and all of these things and you notice if there is a psychological wall if you show them one side and the other side and you know then the wall collapses and then you can kind of connect in a deeper way 
And so I, I, I really investigated this. And when, after I went back to Berkeley, I, I did my office hours at, uh, at uh, Cafe Milano and Cafe Strada, <laughs> cafes near Berkeley. And I would just talk to people and, and just try to get a sense of them and everything and just really explore you know, this mentally constructed worldview that kind of contains all people and, and kind of frames their experience of the moment. And then that led to, uh, so there was that that I learned. And then the other thing I learned from that is as long as you're kind of open, uh, you know, with only a thousand dollars cash and, you know, you bump into people and, you know, everything always works out. And so when you really throw yourself to the wind and, and then really just kind of go for it, you know, a lot of uh, really wonderful things happen, things that you couldn't have possibly planned just kind of happen. And, and kind of, there's a, a wonder that happens from that. And both of those were uh, really, um, I mean, those are the main things, you know, although I have a PhD, uh, those are the main things that really uh, uh, shaped my life, actually. And uh, what happened was in 1992, um, I had an awakening experience, you know, with, with all of this investigation and, you know, things got kind of surreal and, you know, the subjective and the objective come together. I didn't know what it was. And so I... Uh, our whole family after that started doing Qigong. And so uh, did that practice and this whole awakening thing. I didn't know what it was at all. And so I just continued on. I, I taught at USC. I helped to put the multimedia program in the engineering school there. I got married and everything. And then um, uh, 10 years later, my, my sister had a Vedanta teacher and ran a workshop in, in North Carolina. And she, she invited me to it. And you know, I went to the workshop and kind of attended it and they started explaining all of this stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I know this stuff from this thing that happened 10 years ago. I was like, that was real. And then that, that kind of shifted. And then from that, you know, I, I shifted from digital entertainment to, to really looking at, at uh, consciousness. And it took a while it, 2006, I, I went to my first uh, Tour to Science of Consciousness conference, and then that's the conference that I hosted uh, in Hong Kong. And then after that, kind of gradually kind of eased my way into, into really moving into this area and, and then really looking at it. And, um, and what I do in terms of the approach that I have is really looking at things from the perspective of, of science and from the perspective of, of my background. Uh, and the metaphor here is in... Uh, in engineering right now, I'm actually sitting in my kind of basement and I'm talking to my computer, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing you uh, and all of this is happening mediated through a computer. And in a computer, there's hardware and then there's software that's running on the hardware. And arguably uh, your body's in New York, my body is here in Hong Kong and our bodies are like the hardware. And your experience of this moment is kind of like a software and there's a relationship between the hardware of the physiology and the neurophysiology and your experience of this moment. And so if I mention, I don't know, if I mention, um, let's see, some uh, the Empire State Building in New York, and if you know what I mean, are there certain neurons in my brain that are now wired like yours? So what's the relationship between this mental space and the physical body? And so that's kind of the approach that I, I take towards it. And you know, with this and with the investigation of a lot of different people in this space, you know, we've come up with a, a kind of a model of development. And so uh, um, that's kind of how I got into it. And then, and then lately, especially with COVID has been really looking at, um, you know, with this model and, you know, with this time to reflect, normally I'm on the road doing a lot of different things and speaking and meeting people, but I haven't traveled in over a year. And this time is really uh, provide an opportunity to reflect on, you know, what have I been doing for the, these last, you know, years? And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, actually, it's 10 minutes now. I'm 57 now. Happy <laughs> birthday, so, Gino. Thank you. And so really looking at kind of the next phase, the next slash last phase of life, looking at, you know, what is it I'm really here to do and everything. And, um, and so uh, that reflection has kind of uh, led me to think about kind of humanity and society and, and really looking at uh, um, thinking of things from the perspective of personal development and looking at potentially systems that kind of humanity needs that modern society doesn't yet provide. And so 
uh, I kind of wrote some stuff up that I've been sharing with some people and it's really uh, looking at yes. kind of, it'll probably be, it's, it's definitely what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Just kind of and, and thank trying you. to put thank these you for systems sharing. in place. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, you know, I've been actually looking through a lot of what you've been presenting through the years and you know you you've gone you've gone and really explored the mind body relationship and and actually have come up with such an amazing way to explain to people you know how consensus reality is formed how it can be broken through in a way and really the path to to um coming to this inner joy of being which you talk about a lot through presence and through breaking breaking open a lot of the stories that we have about our world and about ourselves you have a model called the five stages of consciousness development process can you explain that a little bit yeah well so uh what i did with you this morning which was more kind of one-on-one mm -hmm. um and, right. and i look at things you know, and here, part of the challenge is when you talk about consciousness, there are a lot of people that have different interpretations and, you know, what do you mean, scientists and, you know, what is this and, and the philosophers and, and uh, religious people all have kind of different uh, interpretations and representations. And so the idea is to find something that's kind of consistent with Western science, but then also kind of is consistent with the, the Eastern philosophies and, and with, with the theist, theistic religions and everything as well too. And so uh, I look at it things from the perspective of awareness and from the perspective mm -hmm. of reduction, reductionist materialism. And wherever you go, and again, if you look at phenomenology as uh, kind of the software and physiology as hardware and, and really look at the relationship of of phenomenology in your experience of this moment. Right now, for most people, if you look at physiology as hardware, all there is to everything in the universe at any one time is literally just what's physically around you. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. in this basement right now. There's uh, how your body feels, the internal processes of you know, hunger, thirst, having to go to the bathroom. There are certain things that you become aware of related to uh, physiological processes and sensations um, from interoceptive awareness, being aware of what's happening within your body. And there's what you know from the conditioned mind and thought. And from the perspective of awareness, looking at it from a, the awareness and kind of a non-dual perspective, all there is, is just that. And everything in the entire universe falls into one of those three categories. It's either something you know, kind of from the conceptual mind, there are the internal sensations in the body and there's what's physically around you. And so if I say that there looks, to, there looks like there's a, there's a sofa behind you with a blue pillow on it, from my perspective here, does that sofa and blue pillow exist? Stephanie, did, is there a blue pillow? Does. Yeah. Yes, How do is. you know that mm -hmm. pillow exists? I know because I can touch and feel it and see it and smell it yeah. and taste it. And so it you know it to. kind of from your senses. Yeah. Yes. Right now, does, um, I don't know, does Europe exist? That only exists in my concept of it. Well, yeah, so it's in this mental space. So I'm just saying that everything right. in the entire universe is in one of those three categories at right. any one moment, right? And that's true from the perspective of your, your awareness, but that, that's also true for if you look at every cell in your body. So if I look at this cell in my body right now, what's influencing this cell? There's the external environment that's impinging mm -hmm. upon the cell. There's the internal mm -hmm. processes of the cell, the cell nucleus and everything that's happening within the cell, the cytoplasm. And then if I consciously decide to move my arm, it will influence this cell, right? From this, this right. cell in a materialistic way. You know, what else is influencing that cell right now? Arguably nothing. <laughs> and that's true for every cell in your body. And so there's what's around it physically. There's the internal processes of the cell. And somehow your conscious mind is able to influence it as well, too. And so that's true from your awareness. And that's true for every cell in your body. And so the five stages, it turns out that when you're born, there is no symbolic consciousness. And there is no notion of object permanence. You know, if you take a toy, you know, I have four kids. If you take a toy mm -hmm. and you put it behind your back, 
the you know early on a in you know the baby's like you know where'd the toy go oh there's the toy where'd the toy go mm -hmm. they have no notion of object permanence that's why peekaboo works and is so fascinating for kids right. where did daddy go oh there's daddy where did daddy go you know and so <laughs> and so what happens is as we develop consciousness becomes aware of itself becomes aware of the physiology the experiences in the physiology becomes aware of the surroundings realizes that there are objects in the surroundings and then from that it develops kind of symbolic consciousness and so just like in the material world there was nothing and there was this big bang and all this hydrogen you know becoming all the galaxies and everything consciousness becomes aware of itself and you start building this mental worldview and our experiences in space and time bind the symbols and thought to process in this mental realm to processes in physiology and so we explore the world we experience things and we start trying to make sense of the world conceptually and then gradually we start building this mental worldview and then and then this belief system then through we mm -hmm. act from this belief system and so we come up with ideas we act through the physiology the physiology engages the material world reality responds which influences how i feel and how i think so i'm doing this i'm building I've, I've got this conceptual model of reality and then i act upon it and then the reality responds which then influences how i feel and how i think and early trauma will influence a lot of this stuff and everything and so as i develop i start building my mental worldview and as i live you know and usually what happens is you know, when a baby is born, they, they, they're born into the reality that their parents create, and then they hit, oh, thank you, and then they hit puberty, and then they, they kind of shed that worldview from their parents, and they develop a different worldview based upon their friends and everything, and the environment and the culture, and then maybe they travel around the world, and then they buy into consensus reality. Mm -hmm. And so stage one of development is kind of this, this whole process of buying into consensus reality. But then generally people, when people do that, they're fragmented. And so for most people, there's my work, there's my relationships, my family, my hobbies. And these are all different projections in the, the material world that then influence how I feel based upon how I frame things. And so you know, if I, let's say I would really wanted someone to be president and they lost or my football team lost and, you know, I feel down, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, you know, maybe I have a bad day at work. I go home, I make love to my girlfriend or my wife or, or whatever I call my parents or something. And I'm doing all of these different actions to maintain homeostasis in the physiology. And so your parents laid a certain pattern on you in what your body's expecting. Trauma will mm -hmm. influence this significantly as well too. And then I'm just doing things not because it's right or wrong, but because it feels familiar. And so, you know, I broke nice. up with my girlfriend again. I'm gonna go eat chocolate ice cream and watch movies. So I'm doing all of this stuff that's regulating my, my affect and regulating my, my my endocrine system and the hormones and everything that are released just to kind of feel familiar, but I'm fragmented. And so I'll do this and then, you know, I'll, <laughs> if this isn't working out, I'll, I'll do something here and I'll do right. something there. And, and a lot of times for you with a lot of projects, it seems like I'm juggling a lot of things. Oh, I have to now service my, my, my mom because I care for her. And then, oh, I have this friend. And, and so a lot of people, that time people are juggling this because they represent something to them and they mean something mm -hmm. to them, which is kind of why they kind of invest their time and effort and all of this. And they're just trying to feel their way through based upon the initial, you know, when they were born, there was nothing. But as they started building this worldview, all of these interests, you know, spread out. And, and, and as one person, as a person develops, the physiology kind of moves to higher energy states. You know, I grow, I become more capable and everything. And, you know, I get really excited about certain things and, and stuff. And so the physiology develops energetically and then the psychology develops. And it's my experiences in space and time that bind these symbols and, and this mental worldview to the processes of physiology. But I'm fragmented. And that's stage one, exactly. generally speaking. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Stage two is that what? Conditioning. Yeah. And you're basically, you're trying to catch up with modern society because when you were born, you're basically like biblical Adam. And then you have to learn to, you know, pay taxes and drive a car and, and make money and, and know how the world works. And so you kind of have to catch up to all the systems that all the generations of people before you have created. 
And so that's generally stage one. Stage two for some people is they look at consensus reality and they're like, hey, this isn't working. <laughs> they're like, to hell with this. I'm going all in on one thing. And so any true entrepreneur, any true artist, any true scientist, you have to mm -hmm. leave the realm of the known. You know, you have to leave the realm of this consensus reality that's been created by all your forefathers and all the people before you. And you have to kind of find something new. And so you have to kind of leave the realm of the known. You have to go into the unknown, discover the fire and bring that back. And when you do this, what happens is all of these different fragments of you consolidate into one and your whole endocrine system and autonomic nervous system become coupled to your perception of this one thing. So you can remember maybe when you were working at Alchemist Kitchen or you're, you're all in on something or it could be a company or it could be a relationship or something. It's like, hey, you know, I'm tied to this. And then my whole emotional system and energetic system become coupled to my perception of this one thing. And so when it goes up, hey, she likes me or he likes me and everything, I feel great. And then, oh, shoot, maybe she didn't call. What does that mean? You know, I feel down. And so there you're highly attenuated, you know. Mm -hmm. And so all of these different fragments of you, before I used to do all these different things, now I'm just thinking about this thing nonstop. You know, I'm, you're, I'm obsessing about this thing. And, you know, really, you know, everything that I see, it's like, how can I use this to benefit my company or, you know, and if it doesn't mm -hmm. benefit it, you know, it's a waste of time. I'm, I'm just going to focus on this. And so what's happening is normally you have this homeostatic process and your ego kind of keeps you locked and you're trying to break out of this. And so when you try to do something, your subconscious and everything is going to mess with you. It's like, ah, no, let's not do it today. Or, oh, maybe I'm not good enough or something. And so you have this monkey mind playing. And so, and it's there to keep you kind of in homeostasis and you have to bring all of your energies and your focus and commitment. And when you focus and you really focus and, you know, push yourself and commit yourself. And if you're open, high energy focused and open, surreal shit starts happening. Coincidences start happening. Synchronicities start happening. And then you kind of pop out beyond kind of the consensus reality. And then no one's ever taught you this before. And you realize that there's a reality kind of beyond the consensus reality that you've been taught. And then things get mm -hmm. kind of, it can get kind of surreal. So coincidences happen. And then I try to figure it out. And then even more coincidences happen. I try to figure that out. And then I get premonitions and they start happening. And then I talk to people and then I feel like I can read their minds. I become empathic and all this other stuff. And then maybe mm -hmm. lights start turning off and on. Computers act weird around you and everything. And then, you know, some people feel yes. that they can control the weather. All of these things start happening. And then pretty soon they're not eating right. They're not sleeping right. And then the physiology can't maintain this energy. And if they they don't have mm -hmm. anyone that's been through this process around them, they'll usually end up in a psych ward or something because they're like, oh my God, there's, yeah. and they, they start talking to their friends and they're like, hey, no, don't you get it? No, I can, you know, try it. Yes. Well, I knew you were going to do that and everything. And they're like, hey, Gino, um, maybe you should chill out a bit, you know? Like, yes. No, don't you get it? It's so simple. And all of these things start coming to you. And so you Usually what happens if they have friends and family that care for them, they're like, and then they just are overwhelmed. They maybe start getting downloads and everything. And then they usually get, mm -hmm. and then the modern society doesn't know how to deal with these people. And so they end up in a psych exactly. ward on pharmaceuticals and everything. And they have a bad experience about that. And so there's usually a pop and then the, the crash because they're not eating right. They're not sleeping right. And then the physiology can't maintain the state. And then mm -hmm. there's going to be a crash, which is kind of a dark night of the soul kind of thing. And so that kicks you into this other stage, which you realize that the reality isn't the reality that you've been taught, isn't the consensus reality, and that there are bigger forces at work. And so, you know, this pronoia versus paranoia and all this attitude and everything. And as you're focused, you know, things start happening. And usually the problem with people is that happens and then they come back into consensus reality and then the stories that used to drive them don't mean anything anymore. And, you know, they, because it's very a hard challenging to time the because they, mm -hmm. they've seen like a future that's really amazing. But then, you know, this is just not, you know, they're arguing and there's conflict over simple things. And, and, and so they, it, it's very jarring to them. Um, and so it's, it's hard. They have a hard time functioning. I think. 
because you know a lot mm-hmm. of these people I think end up being homeless and and all of this because mm-hmm. you know they really can't really support themselves because of uh, you know these experiences and everything. And there's this Joseph Campbell quote: the the psychotic drowns in the same waters that the mystic swims, and so they mm-hmm. kind of get a taste of this. And right now there's no support for that really, and so they're figure feeling their way out. But usually what happens is they come back and so they have this consensus reality, they have this mental worldview and the things that drive them are still kind of fear, need and desire, you know, and all of these stories are, they're still driven by the stories in their head. And so what has to happen kind of in this stage, generally speaking, is you have to decouple. And so all of my efforts and everything have created this energetic structure you know, within my physiology, you know, maybe a kundalini, <laughs> you know, connection. And, mm-hmm. and so all the, the chakras are lined up or what have you, the kundalini rises and I get kind of energized and everything. And I get, get all of these insights, but I haven't been able to, uh, but I'm driven by kind of these fears, needs, and desires in the stories. And so the energy system and the physiology is developed, but it's still tied to these stories. And what happens in this is that you have to kind of decouple the influences of the symbols on the processes of physiology. And so the energy that you get in terms of how you feel and everything relates to how you're breathing, your state of being, you know, letting go, you know, release work, you know, letting go of early trauma, bringing forgiveness and and really releasing it, not only psychologically, but physiologically as well, too. And that's called Mm -hmm. kind of doing the inner work, the shadow work and everything. And so it turns out that underneath all the stories, if you let go of all the stories that you've been conditioned from for your from your entire life, at the very core of your being, arguably at the very core of everyone's being, there's an inner experience that's present within everybody. And the only way I can describe the experience with words is that right here and right now, it's good to be alive. And if you can feel that joy, wonder, gratitude, compassion, everything, and you can see it in people's eyes as well. It's like, oh yeah, you know? And so all of my fighting and all of the concerns, oh, he's not the right one or whatever, all of those are all in relative terms. But if you look at everything in absolute terms, like physical death, most of the things that you're worried about are pretty meaningless. And so people that have had near-death experiences or awakening experiences, they kind of touch into this and surreal shit happens. Eventually, everything makes sense. They see the light. And <laughs> you know, it's actually reported in, in uh, psychedelic experiences, in uh, the bardos, in in um, near-death experience and awakening experience. It's a kind of a similar pattern through all of this. And so the objective here is to decouple from all of the the influences of the symbols and then to cultivate interoceptive awareness and and, and to be able to self-regulate independent of context. So breath and realizing that the breath, your breath relates to your emotional state and as you release, you know, It's Mm -hmm. really about reconnecting to this innate joy of being, developing a strong connection to that, and then decoupling from the symbols. Now, when we talk about decoupling from the symbols, some people call this ego death. And the reason why it's difficult, because all of these symbols that create this mental reality that you have, use the same underlying physiological mechanisms that are keeping your body physically alive but your awareness doesn't know the difference. You know, so as, as you try to yank on this, it's gonna start yanking on your energy system. And to fully mm-hmm. decouple is basically, it's like, you know, your whole reality has been, since you were born, has been baked deeply into your physiology. And it's like coming off of crack cocaine, cold turkey, yeah. and your body's gonna shake, all of this stuff. You're not gonna know what's going That's on. Really- and- that's a really important point to make because people don't necessarily connect the consciousness um, and spiritual aspect of ourselves with the phys- the physical. And it's completely yeah, and it's ter- I mean, you feel like yeah. you know, all of this, you know, I'm, yeah. oh my God, I've never experienced this before. And there's all this terror and everything. And for me, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the things that, you know, I don't want to get in and your you personal stuff. Sick. But yeah, but depression 
is mm -hmm. a really, you know, that's when you decouple, because usually if you're oh, yeah. driven by a mental worldview, what happens is there's a pop in the crash because you're driven by this belief and all of your energy is tied into this belief. And when that belief pops, it's kind of like a souffle. When the souffle pops, the whole energy system collapses and you're like, oh, there's no reason to get up. You know, I was such an idiot. And, oh, and that's the point of life. <laughs> well, but, but what you're saying is, is actually incredibly so optimistic because it's actually well, giving the context of what's happening. Yeah, so you have to go through that yeah. and then you right, have to exactly. reconnect to the innate joy of being. And so it's the mm -hmm. inner work to reconnect to that. And so most people, I have early trauma. I can't connect to the innate joy of being. The physiology is moving to higher energy state. So I'm going to do stuff out here. I'm going to study things. I'm going to, oh, no, let's right. go just check that. I'm going to be an experience well, junkie because like I get addictions. my energy out here versus, exactly. you know, doing this inner. And if you can, Consumerism. If, I can if you can connect to the innate joy of being and decouple from all the stories and let go of all the mm -hmm. stories. then what wants to do something? And so that's the basis of stillness. Mm -hmm. And if you can connect to the innate joy of peace, if you can decouple from all of the stories, if you can fully decouple, then the only thing that's left is what's physically around you and how your body feels, which is what it was like when you were a baby. Mm -hmm. And for me, in Christian terms, that's what it means to be reborn, because everything that happens out here and everything that happens is by the grace of God, you know, Allah Akbar, right? Mm -hmm. And Salah. Mm -hmm. And so that's in Christian and Islamic terms, but then that's also Buddha underneath the tree. So if you know the story of Siddhartha, he's this prince, I'm going to go try to end suffering, you know, I... I yeah, I, I, I go with the ascetics and, you know, these Jains and, you know, that's not it. And finally, you know, to paraphrase, he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to get up until I figure this shit out. And so he sits underneath this tree and then Mara appears, the daughters of Mara, all of these desires, um, you know, the daughters, all this beauty and everything. You can imagine Donald Trump sitting there and then Mara showing up, the daughter of Mara saying, hey, if you get up now, you can be president of the United States. And they're like, Okay, you know, I'm just kind of getting up, but you know, Siddhartha is still sitting there. And then, so all of these desires and all these fears come these arrow, they soldiers shoot arrows, they turn mm -hmm. into flowers. He's still sitting there. And then finally, Mara shows up and says, Who's here to witness your enlightenment? And then he responds, The earth is here Touching to witness my enlightenment because I know the difference between what's happening coming from here versus what's coming from thought. And I can let all of this go. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to do that, then what happens is when you were born, things happen around you and you start building this mental worldview. For most people now, it's my thoughts and my beliefs. I act through their physiology. I engage the material world. Reality then responds, which influences how I feel and how I think. So I'm doing this, refining my knowledge, increasing my energy. When you fully decouple, it's back to this. You're there and you're like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to go to this place. I don't know why, but I'm just going to go try this out. And mm -hmm. something tells me I'm supposed to do this. And I don't know why. I'm just, you know, things are happening. And and so what's happening is you're letting go of this and you're refining your inner compass. So things show up and then mm -hmm. you try them out and you don't know how or why you know this, but you, you start really exploring that. And it's a process of refining intuition, which is the mystical path. And so things happen and you start gaining insights. You know, first time this happened, I was, I was uh, at a lunch. I had a car parked in Pasadena. <laughs> I was near Idea Labs and it was lunch and then, these flies flew by and I'm like, oh, I think I'm getting a ticket right now. <laughs> I go out and indeed there was a, you know, I was able to talk my way out of it, but something about these flies coming in just kind of told me that <laughs> something was happening. Yes. And so you're just looking at things in a non-causal emergent way and you're really 
tied into what are the emotions driving the action. And so, and, and then with the integration, somatically, fear, need, and desire feel very different from joy, gratitude, and wonder. And you don't know, but you're just kind of exploring this. And that's kind of the mystical path. And then and then that's stage four. And then stage five are these special abilities. And so some people are born with special abilities, but then they get suppressed when society tells them what's mm -hmm. right or wrong. Some people, when they pop from stage two to stage three, they develop special abilities, but their energy system isn't stable because they haven't fully let go. And when things happen, that goes, oh my God, it's happening. Hey, you know, hey, I'm manifesting. And, you know, whatever, whatever is in their mind, you know, it's still kind of driven by this fear, need, desire thing. But if you can, fully decouple and surreal right. shit can happen and it doesn't phase you at all because you know that this is just the natural way of things then you can actually develop these gifts in a grounded and centered way and so that's kind of the the broad five stage model and then related to that are this are the systems now is is mm -hmm. is you know everything within consensus some of the realizations for this especially when you have people that have gone through spiritual emergency and there's a lot of wonderful resources you should add links to uh, katie Matram's work emerging proud mm -hmm. phil borges has a film called crazy wise uh, daniel ingram has this whole uh, institute that is really looking at reshaping uh, and there are a lot of people that are working in this in in this mental health area and realizing that the mental health crisis is actually kind of this spiritual for a subset of people it's this it's a spiritual yes. emergency situation um absolutely and um yeah and so give, so to, mm -hmm. yeah go ahead to to give this a little bit of context as well on a more macro level i would say that we are you know given that the way we've developed our consciousness is within this exactly within the range that you you, you speak about with experiences it's, a, it's an endless feedback loop of what previously how we've been conditioned so in order to actually break out of it given let's say there's certain issues certain problems we have with um our continued existence as humanity certain um you know intractable conflicts all of that can be met in a way but the only way to kind of move that forward and the most efficient you can also say is actually to come from this other place, the, the place that is decoupled from- Well, from, so the issue the, the issue right now is that right now society doesn't understand this, right? Exactly, and Part exactly. of it too is, is that if you've got someone that's been through an awakening, you can kind of talk to them and you can just hearing and communicating, you can kind of tell whether they've been through it or not and you know how far they got with it and everything too. But if you have someone that's never been through the experience, nothing you say to them is gonna give them the experience. You know, even if they've mm -hmm. done psychedelics and everything, oh, it's like, they think they know, but they don't really, they, they, it's not, it's, it's not no, generated not endogenously and, and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, so part of, you know, a lot of people are trying to kind of change the masses and, and everything. But for me right now, it's like, can we, identify and recognize these people and build community right. among these people that have been through this process uh, and then really develop process communities and, and infrastructure to help midwife other people going through the process so they don't have to go through the pain of of you know spending mm -hmm. months in a psych ward and then and then you know on pharmaceuticals for well, many years and everything that's the that's also the point I'm trying to make is that also given if if we can we need to come up with solutions that are not from the old model and this way because there already are a lot of people who have gone through awakening experiences they're just right now either feeling very lost because they don't have the support system that you mentioned right and you yourself as it have gone through that process a lot of us have gone through some version of that and to create you know which I, I know you're about to, to share which I'm very excited mm -hmm. for you to do so is that you you have um these projects that you're doing that are actually creating systems support systems and actually ways for people to to go through this process safely uh supported and also to be able to combine it into their own business entrepreneurship um in a way that then is able to um help them through this this greater process which actually helps all of us the rest of us it doesn't have to be you know we're not talking about um being evangelical we're not talking about having to convince someone of anything but there are already an incredible amount of people they just need i think there's need needs to be in a way 
hate to use this word, but it's kind of like proof of concept for the others who don't necessarily maybe agree or see it that way and for 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 this to actually happen or at least a straw man structure to 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 frame it and understand it a bit exactly better. to frame it exactly we need that framing. And, so, and so for me personally i'm not interested in you know changing the world views of other people and everything because right. those systems are always going to be there and they, they have yes. to because you have to go mm -hmm. through this process of birth through to catching up with the modern world right mm -hmm. um and so that, although as broken as it is, you know, people will continue to develop and to, to work on that. Um, mm -hmm. But among those people, you know, from the consensus reality people to the outlier people is to really look mm -hmm. at things from the perspective of personal development and then work mm -hmm. out these systems where kind of money and power and all of this other stuff is still kind of within this consensus reality, the real world you know as as you're conditioned you know towards mm -hmm. but then kind of beyond that especially you know this critical thing of realizing not conceptually not being taught conceptually but knowing experientially that there are bigger forces at work mm -hmm. god the universe or whatever you know or thoughts around or nature has mm -hmm. a plan and to be able to feel that and be connected to it in an experiential way and know that experientially rather than conceptually. Yes, thank you for uh, clarifying that. It's really, really critical difference. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. in the development is I can try to teach you mm -hmm. this, but then it's all a conceptual understanding within a, a mental framework versus, you know, looking at, you know, the metaphysics of as you try to do something, you know, how is the reality and the universe responding <laughs> and you'll mm -hmm. notice certain things happen very fluidly and effortlessly. Other things, no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't happen. And for me, at least, where you're going to really bump into this is this stage two to stage three process, where you're kind of going all in on one thing, and then you're pushing really hard to try to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and you're seeing this a lot, you know, people that went through kind of the Me Too movement, any kind of thing that you want to change, this is, this is screwed up. I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to make it my life's mission to do something about that. And you're just kind of priming the rocket right there. And as they push that really hard, they'll either succeed and think it's all them. And then, you know, that's your whole Wall Street thing and <laughs> everything. Or ideally, you're going to, or you'll crash, you know, because it's just too much. And I chew, mm -hmm. chew, took too much to chew. Uh, or ideally, you know, you go through this and you're open and you, you come to these realizations. Um, and, but well, that's, you know, that's it, still within the washing machine of, of right. modern society and consensus reality. And so some of these systems that we're doing, you know, mystagogical yes. is this kind of entrepreneurship as a spiritual path and, you know, art transcend, you know, basically working with these outliers, designing programs, sustainable models that work within consensus reality in a sustainable, financially sustainable way. Uh, mystagogical is basically mentoring kind of entrepreneurs and realizing that whatever you're doing, you're gonna be doing a hero's journey and there's gonna follow the monomyth and everything. But then having a network of kind of healers and mystics and people that are, know this stuff very well in the consensus reality realm to kind of support and, and mainly what we do is we kind of run entrepreneurs through a program, uh, give them a framework to understand this and make them realize that what they're doing is just context for their own personal development and to start looking at things and, and really investigating why they're doing what they're doing and you know, doing the inner work related to this. And then as they mm -hmm. engage, you know, looking at how things play out and then you know, kind of mentoring them and, and as the shadow appears, kind of addressing these things. And so that's kind of this uh, mystagogical, this entrepreneurship is a spiritual path. And then for artists, you know, basically it's a similar program um, in the premise of you can then shift their consciousness, then their connection to whatever inspires them will, will increase and the art that they create will be more profound. And then that will have a bigger impact among right. the masses. And so really how do we, support that and, and, and develop that. And so, so that's kind of, those are the, the, some of the programs we're developing related to outliers. And we've been working with a, 
a number of, uh, I personally over the last five years have been working with a number of companies kind of in this area. And, you know, one of the ones I was working towards mending was, was the one that you were involved with, with Alchemist Kitchen and everything as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so we've been doing this, uh, quite a bit with with many companies and I advise a, a number of companies and, and we're, we're building things in that as well too. And even the systems that we're building with this, we're doing kind of in this entrepreneurship as a spiritual path kind of way. And so really working with kind of the emergent reality and, and, and using this as a, as a personal process. And then right now, the exciting thing is things are coming together with Art Transcend on the artist side. And so those are programs addressing kind of these outliers of, you know, people on the fringes of consensus reality, the ones that are, you mm -hmm. know, you know, kind of going out there. And then, uh, and then, and so this is mostly left-hand path people, you know, people that are kind of following their bliss. And for right-hand path people, people that are perfectly fine within consensus reality, things still happen. Usually, um, you know, I, my parents die, I get divorced and I lose my job all within like a month or so. And I'm not able to, you know, physiology maintaining homeostasis, which reinforces a mental worldview, which motivates action. This loop is not able to happen. And those fractures can kick someone out as well too. Um, mm -hmm. But then we have this other project called Antarabhav, which is um, basically um, to, uh, building a, a social fabric network and uh, to support people going through spiritual emergency. And there's Christina Groff, Stan and Christina Groff, this a spiritual emergency. And they, there are groups that have been in the United States and all around the world, in Europe, UK especially, trying to build these networks to support people going through spiritual emergency. But part of the challenges they've had is, you know, well, they've, they haven't been able to make it sustainable because usually a lot of these people going through this process have no money and no resources mm -hmm. and uh, and then usually because in the u.s because of lawsuits and everything they get people that have the degrees and accreditation and and all of this stuff and so right. it's been difficult to support this but what we found is that when you have people that have been through awakening and have developed gifts you know there's this guy anthony mm -hmm. lemme and many other people uh, that that can do a kind of energy healing and, and do remote things and depossessions, all sorts of these kind of things to help ground someone remotely, not using kind of the, the, the Western paradigms, but using these special gifts to help ground and center. And, you know, what we do of, you know, cultivating presence, bringing people here, having them understand, you know, what's coming from thought and then having another person to be able to just be with them and then kind of shift them into stillness and into presence, you know, with their presence. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so now what we're finding, especially with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with COVID, there's, there's a lot that you can do online. And with a network of healers and mystics, there's a lot that you can do remotely. And so part of uh, Antarabhav is A, there, there are three things. One is protocols to help ground people going through spiritual emergency. Um, number two is to have like a social fabric. So getting volunteers that have been through mm -hmm. the process, like getting healers to donate two hours a week and mystics to donate like a day a week of their time to, to help people that are, help midwife people going through this process. Mm -hmm. And then number three is setting up places around the world in nature with people with, that have gone through this, that, that can, you know, people can actually go there and then just almost like a Betty Ford clinic for people going through spiritual emergency. There's a place right now already uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, that's specifically for spiritual emergency, but um, they haven't been able to make that financially sustainable yet. And so, so really looking at, and the exciting thing is if you go online and global, you know, with arbitrage, there are a lot of people in India, China, <laughs> the Philippines, just like you have these call centers, you can have people that can, to help, you know, build a global network to help kind of ground people and so well, usually someone usually there's someone a period actually access this well we're right we're putting all this together right now and we have mm -hmm. this this uh, website that we're developing with a form and we're looking at processes of vetting people you know for this mm -hmm. to be able to hold space and do this kind of work but usually generally speaking there's going to be for people going through the emergency process there's going to be like 
uh, a week to three week period where ideally somebody that's been through the process gets to them and kind of gives them tools to ground. And if that doesn't happen, uh, usually a, a large percentage of them, not all of them, but a large percentage of them, you know, end up in a psych ward and everything. But then even there, it's difficult because, you know, their family doesn't understand. No one else has been through yeah. this. And, and well, it's, it's, you're out it's of very, reality. How can you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so I mean, there's a pure process of kind of initially, you know, this emergency situation mm -hmm. and then stabilizing them because once they come mm -hmm. out, they're very sensitive and, and a lot of people may need they need a place to live food because you know <laughs> through my process yes. you know i i realized uh, you know i i had met jesus and you know i embodied jesus and i gave everything away and you know i know the lord will provide for you know they they were in this kind of high mania state and uh, and they weren't able to self-regulate and all of this stuff was coming to them and so uh so a lot of them may need a place to stay you know food nice. and everything and so so there's that stabilization part and then after that, doing the inner work, grounding them, and then making them sustainable in some way, either moving to an intentional community or, 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 or mm -hmm. somewhere near nature, or hopefully, you know, parents or friends or something like that, um, or, you know, finding a job that can, that can earn a living so that they can support themselves mm -hmm. Um, and put food on the table and find a place to stay. A lot of them end up with uh, special needs kids or, or becoming mm -hmm. coaches and counselors because of these intuitive gifts that they develop or being empathic and everything, you know, through this process. And then, and then if they can then become sustainable, then the next stage is, is for them to, to thrive and to, to be able to mm -hmm. then work with people maybe that it happened, this happened to them 20, 30 years ago and they have gifts and then they can then guide these people Mentor, you know, to guide. kind of develop mm -hmm. their gifts and everything. And so this global decentralized modern mystery school, you know, uh, which we're calling Fusikoi now, you know, named after the mm -hmm. ancient Greeks that were investigating nature from their experience and trying to come up with language for that. And we have Project Fusikoi where we're getting people with interesting abilities, non-ordinary abilities, and then we're getting scientists and academics that have been through the process that have research labs to try to understand how to study this uh, and trying to build global community around this. And uh, a lot of like China and India, you know, Neidan mm -hmm. and all of these Eastern mm -hmm. practices are untapped in terms of these Taoists mm -hmm. and everything. And so we're able to find these people and then bring in kind of Western scientific methodologies to try to understand that. And so, so those are these systems that I was talking about, I'll be spending the rest of my life kind of working on and, and building. But these are, I feel are, are good things thing to that, time on. <laughs> that humanity needs, but modern society just doesn't really understand, you know, even something yes. like chi, you know, doing chi going mm -hmm. for, you know, you, you can kind of feel chi. But right now, there's a guy Shen Lin at UC Irvine, you know, if you look at electromagnetics or photons, machines can't measure this at all. You know, and then according to Western science too, you know, acupuncture, which seems to work for a lot of people and well, some machines miracles. Can. Some machines can actually, depending. Well, some can. not the ones that are recognized by Western science. Right. Well, you and I should talk actually, because my Qigong master was also recruited and they did all these experiments with him and he actually showed me the results. So I'll well, I know Shen Lin. Shen Lin yeah. is going with China and everything, and he—he's—he hasn't. I brought my mom over to to be studied, and he couldn't I mean, measure anything. Real. And so there is that. But even like meridians yeah. in acupuncture, right now from the West, that's pseudoscience too. There's no measurement. You know, there's nothing that can be measured in terms well, of according meridians to and everything. The existing right. Yeah, but well, but, but are, so we're doing yes, I, I hear we're you. doing a lot with intersubjective work now too. It's it may not be something that machines can measure, but it's something that another consciousness can measure. And so doing things mm -hmm. like hyperscanning, where you're measuring EEG across two different people, and and designing right. experience in the experiments using the intersubjective uh, second person research methodologies is is something that we're we're kind of looking at developing mm -hmm. and everything too. You know, among this kind of growing, building this community. Uh, and again, it's one of these things where ideally people that have kind of been through this experience and have kind of a different form of understanding uh, to, to, uh, 
to really kind of design these speaking, experiments. And, and what I mean which, by that, yeah, what I mean by that is a lot of these things require the amount, an amount of inner work. And the, the metaphor here is it's like jazz. You know, if you get four top jazz musicians, people that have meditated for a long period of time and kind of opened their channels and all this other stuff, and you put them in a room to, to play music, you know, you're going to get amazing jazz, you know, even though they've never met each other. But if you get like four crappy jazz musicians or one person that just learned their instrument last week and you put them in the same room to do the same experiment, you're going to get crappy jazz. And so mm -hmm. how do we kind of design these experiments that require us to be able to somehow measure the degree of inner work that people have done? So but the neat thing about it me. is that once, once you have it physiological, arguably within, if you're within the body, the body is objective and it's measurable. And once you have something that's objective and measurable, you can build the science around it. Well, that was my question, actually, because you work a lot with AI and VR and AR, I believe. And, you know, through your work with all your video game design, digital entertainment, all of that there. And, and there's so much available now in terms of transformative tech, trans tech. Um, there's a whole school that's all about consciousness hacking, which is using real time biometric data, quantitative self, a lot of these ways that we can actually have objective measurements of experiences. And are you also applying that to help and support people facilitate this transformation? Um, uh, yeah, and the challenge there is you can give people an experience and mm -hmm. you can make them aware, uh, you know, the conscious mind aware, you know, through like I even wear a watch that has my heart rate and everything and breaths and sleep and all of this is giving you more data and everything. But it's really about kind of the integration of all of that. Right, 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 right. And, so you're saying uh, and it, it's a moving to, a, to an experiential thing. And, 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 and so a lot of things that I did with you this morning is, you know, just, mm -hmm. you know, when you're present versus when you're in thought and even looking at communication is what's happening when we're communicating and how you're breathing and, you know, your breath relates to your emotional state. And it turns out, you know, when you're present, you can be aware of your breath and how you're breathing and you can actually do a body scan. And so you can be aware of what's around you and how your body feels. And if you bring yourself fully here, you can feel, you can be aware, uh, but you can't think and your mind is clear. Um, versus when you think about something, you know, you're not really connected to breath or body and everything. And so even as you're engaging people, you know, how are you engaging them? And, and so with video games and interactive media, I can create a stimuli, but then by observing the conscious decisions you make and how your physiology responds, I can start developing an understanding of your worldview and, you know, potentially early traumas and everything and, and work towards remedies. It's amazing. You know, that. That's amazing. Amazing. How, so how can someone learn more about your work at the moment? I know you're still putting everything together, but yeah. how can someone follow your work and where should we go? And um, just, we're still putting it all together, but, but uh, you know, um, yeah. Are you, are you <laughs> on contact social media? Me, I suppose. Yeah. I'm uh, uh, yeah. I'm on social media and can provide, I, I guess, some links and everything. No, I'll definitely put that in the notes for sure. And we can also go to your website, genou.com. Yeah, and that, that's all going to be redone. And we're, we've got, you know, all mm -hmm. these different projects. We have the domain names and everything. And, and yeah. uh, but it's uh, right now it's, we're still in COVID, which is kind of nice. So we have more time, but, but mm -hmm. right now I, I, that, that thing that I sent you, so we have a write-up of all this stuff, but actually that write-up that I sent you and sent mm -hmm. to a couple other people, I actually started it mainly writing it for me, <laughs> you know, just to, just to how it, because I, I spent a lot of time way. explaining it and, you know, can I kind of write it, write it down and, and everything. And, and some of these projects are moving forward right now, like, like right now, especially Art Transcend, there's this whole NFT movement right now. And, mm -hmm. and it's really exciting how technology is taking off in this. And right now with COVID, there are all of these, you know, land development projects all around the world, looking at building intentional communities and places, you know, to Absolutely. hold retreats, you know, um, and um, uh, just really, really, and you know, all this regenerative economy stuff and everything. Yes, it's a really so exciting. exciting time to, to be around. 
Yeah. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much, Gino. Thank you for sharing all the amazing, extraordinary work that you're doing and would love to support in any way. And I'll definitely share the links that you mentioned and also, you know, make sure people can find you. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Thanks a lot. Great work. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I would be so appreciative if you would rate the show and leave a comment. I also invite you to join our Patreon community for exclusive content and to connect more directly. Learn more at howthingsconnect.com. Take care and stay tuned.